<laughs> Let's get yeah. them for you. But there's nobody. There's nobody here now. Like when I come in and check the mail and stuff like that. Like it's it'll it'll accumulate for a couple of days because I'm like the only person that comes in and checks it. But. Yeah, it's all right. When the office got we redid the office. I painted it uh, before I left, and it looks good. It looks uh looks very vibrant. <clears throat> looks vibrant very and alive. alive. Yeah, that's yep. all you want. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, welcome everybody to uh, episode seventeen. I'm going to check that. Start over. <laughs> welcome everybody to the. All right, wake up, Trevor. Welcome everybody to the hockey toolkit. <sighs> Fuck, I can't even talk. You're good. You're good. Just don't even think you're thinking about it too much. Uh, who's, yeah, no, who's, so. number eight, who's number eighteen? Denny Savard on the save on the Blackhawks. I think he was he eighteen. No, he's eighteen and nineteen. I don't know. So, welcome everybody to the Hockey Toolkit episode eighteen. I am Trevor DiCarlo. I am Andrew Trimble. It only took me uh, about fifteen tries to get through that, but we did end up getting there. Uh, through the intro, but uh, number, episode yeah. number eighteen for you Chicago fans should be pretty good because there is Denny Savard, one of the greats. Yep, one, the man, the man, the myth, the legend, the master of the spinorama, as Don Cherry called him, a uh, a water bug. He was a water bug. Yep, one number eighteen for the Blackhawks. This is going to be a good episode for you Chicago fans. Let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. We, uh, you know, we kind of just took a little bit of a break. I know that I was busy, I've been extremely busy, uh, which is kind of not the norm for me, but it's all right, uh, especially in the summer. I know you've been busy, so, uh, you know, before I go into my long diatribes of stuff, uh, what have you been up to? Well, we, um, you know, after coming back from Prague, the EHL Combine out in, out in Prague was really a great, great event, tons of fun. Uh, we, we've signed... We actually, we signed four players from the camp, but in total, who attended the camp, we have six players coming from Slovakia, the Czech Republic, just from that one camp. That's from our program, and there's other programs who've done really well, like the Union Thunder, yeah. Boston Junior Terriers. So it was a really good success for the um, for the league to have it's that DHL combine. Yeah, it's gonna, and I think they're going to be some of the top players. They're going to be really good good talent to add to to each team. Uh, I came back and was here for about ten days or so in in Laconia, Lakes Region, New Hampshire. Uh, we did a huge painting project here at the Merrill Fair Arena, and the office looks bright, shiny, and new. And oh, then I left it's very vibrant, yes. <laughs> very, very vibrant? Yes. Blood red. It's menacing. Yes. <laughs> I, then, I'm fearful here. I am you shaking. should be scared. You should be I, terrified. I'm always scared. <laughs> and then after that, I was able to go out to Mike, one of Mike Gumpler's great camps out at the University of Denver, uh, the USJDP Hockey Camp. And I know we're going to talk about hockey camps more in the episode but uh, that's a great one if I can recommend that to anybody. Trevor, what uh, what do you have going on in your world? Uh, well, right now, I mean, it's pretty much uh, rain, you know raining cats and dogs. It's going to be uh, you know Dorothy's out there running around looking for Toto. With the sent you a video of how just nasty it is. So hopefully we get through this uh, without any power outages. But uh, <laughs> actually, uh, no, I just got back. Um, See, last week, uh, yeah, last week, uh, sorry, two weeks ago, I was out in uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, yep. for the uh, TCS Live, the coaches' site live, uh, you know, coaching seminar slash event, uh, which was, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Um, you know, we'll 
you know, talk a little bit more about that. But, uh, I mean, outside of that, it's just been a lot of, you know, busy work, trying to catch up on stuff, um, you know, just work-wise as well as socially and just trying, you know, all the other, all the above. Um, still doing some hockey skates here and there. But uh, just trying to get myself uh, now mentally slowly preparing for the fall season as in just kind of coming up with what, you know, want to accomplish and stuff like that. So that's really all that's going on here. We just get, uh, you know, happy fourth to you. Um, you too, Trevor. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I still got all my fingers. Uh, missing a couple toes. But, uh, you know, outside of that, everything's good. So It's wild on, like, Twitter and all these other things you see, like, the amount of fireworks accidents that occurs around major holidays. It's uh, wild. Alcohol, like I, yeah. I mean, that I, doesn't help. I got all 10 of my, 10 of my digits uh, on top and bottom, you know, I, I think, um, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yet. I'm just not going to put myself in that situation. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I, so here in Illinois, they are illegal uh, oh, you really? to have. Now that doesn't mean Jack because you can literally go right over the border to Wisconsin or Indiana and grab them and, Nobody's stopping you. Um, but, Here in New, uh, in New Hampshire, it's land of the free, home of the brave. It's live <laughs> free or die, so you you can get anything you want up here. Oh, my God. Within reason. They, they don't, the prostitution's not legal. And then well, also that's ma- good. Cannabis is not legal, which is surprising in New Hampshire, considering it's legal in Massachusetts, Maine, and Vermont. That is interesting. Wow, man, they are sticklers up there. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's legal here, the... Uh, the marijuana, but uh, yeah, no, I mean we can't have can't have fireworks, which doesn't deter anybody. I was up until <laughs> see, last night until like one o'clock with neighbors just firing crap off until yeah, you know, I guess I just had one o'clock. So it's, it's yeah, Chicago. We don't, Are you sure that wasn't gunfire? Uh, yeah, I'm a little bit further from the from the city than people think, uh, but uh, you never know with the way things go. They could be coming out here now, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely something else. But uh, do you guys did you go to the fireworks with the family at all or anything like that? We we went to Maine for a few days. It's like um, it's there's it, it, they. New Hampshire has a really small coastline. It's only about 10 miles or so of coastline. But actually, okay. New Hampshire does have is on the Atlantic Ocean. People don't think that. But it's like between Massachusetts, New Hampshire, then Maine. It's got the longest coastline. So we went a night or two just in Maine to go to the beach for a little bit. And uh, we didn't see any fireworks because the weather in Maine last night was like a lot of uh, a lot of rain and overcast. But but uh, we, we, we felt them in our, in our soul. We felt the yeah. America's I mean, freedom burning brightly. I think if you've seen like one firework, you've pretty much seen almost all fireworks. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I I didn't either. I, like I said, I heard them. But uh, as I said, I, once you see them, you see them like okay, you know what? I'll wait five years, see if they get any better, uh, and then we'll go from there. It's like it's like the iPhone. I don't need the very best, you know, next iPhone. I'll wait for like four more generations to happen. We'll go from there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, so yeah, Fourth of July was good. Um, but uh, yeah, tell me about the camp that you went to. Uh, so the USJDP, and that, I think that's a good segue to talk about a little bit about the nature of, of, of camps, and, and I think that's a good topic for our discussion today, because um, camps come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. You have coaches' camps, like what you attended, which is a great, great place to sharpen your saw in the offseason as a coach and get more information from great speakers. Like, I want to hear all about what you did. Uh, then you have some elite camps, which uh, there's elite hockey camp out here in, in New Hampton, New Hampshire. A lot of kids like to attend that. Um, I think the JDP camp is right up there. Then you have those chain camps, like you have uh, Turcott Stick Hamley School, you have Laura Stan, you have Pro Ambitions. And those are all, you know, they all have their merits. Um, 
I think one of the best things about U.S. JDP, and, I, and you know, in all fairness, I've, I've worked in years past for prohibitions. I've worked my own camps. I've worked for other people's hockey camps. I like hockey camps. I think they're a great, great place for a kid to find a love and passion for the game. What makes the U.S. JDP camp exceptional, though, is the curriculum. Um, you're on the ice two to three times a day. Um, they, he brings in coaches from all over junior hockey. So there was the uh, J- Jared Brown from Cedar Rapids in the USHL was there. John Roger was there. Um, Kevin Cunningham was there. The, uh, coaches in the, in the NA3. Um, it's a bunch of different guys from all sorts of different leagues. And so their kids are getting a lot of information that is not like we're setting up a lot of obstacles on the ice for power skating or puck skills, but we're giving them what a junior practice would look like. And we're giving them information that they can – like some details that they could take into their game when they go into their game next season. And then he combines with the great facilities at University of Denver, which has, I mean, it's huh. phenomenal. Denver's unreal. Like their, their arena is top-notch. Their gym, which they use twice a day, is top-notch. Their food. Top-notch. Oh, man, I didn't want to go home. I didn't want to go home. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Tell me about the coaches' site, though, Trev. Well, real quick, so when you say kids, are we talking, what, like what are the age groups for that camp? Good question. So yeah, the, the age group really after that camp is like is like fourteen to eighteen. Okay, so you're about so your it's, late, it's like teens, late late teens mostly. Okay, kids who are preparing was just curious. junior hockey. Got it. Okay, yeah, no, I mean that sounds I mean, great, especially kind of getting the kids getting their toes a little bit, you know, dipping their toes in the pool just to get see what's going on at those levels, and definitely recognize quite a few of those names. But uh, yeah, the. Uh, TCS Live, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I went in with like very little expectations. I just was just wanted to see what was going to happen, um, and they, they, I mean, they knocked it out of the park. They had, uh, I want to say, over three hundred and fifty people in attendance. Wow. Um, but not, I mean, not even that portion of it. But I mean, the the amount of guests, uh, speakers they had was great um, i mean we're talking about guys that are coaching in major junior ushl nhl ahl i mean we had pete DeBoer there we had um ryan huska the new uh head coach over in calgary um and then uh who uh, what's his face uh the coach in edmonton he's the uh He's been McClellan there. It's not, he's not there. Yeah, now, it's though. the assistant coach, though. He it was the guy who was coaching in, I think, Calgary beforehand. Uh, or I forgot who. Terry Crisp? <laughs> no, no, that's uh, <laughs> maybe 20 years ago. Uh, <laughs> or 30 years ago, probably. Uh, let's see. God, I'll for, I remember it later. But it was, again, we had pros there. You got, We had some coaches from that were over from Germany, from. That's unbelievable. Um, you know, from all over Europe, um, as well as, you know, uh, the women's side. Um, you know, and again, it was, and then you just had even just regular youth coaches. Uh, so it, it was cool. Uh, each day you started off at, uh, the powers auditorium there and downtown Ann Arbor, right? I mean, you're on the college campus the entire three days, unless you stay, you know, at a hotel. Ours was off campus, but, um, you're there for like three, four hours and then you take a nice mile and a half walk through downtown Ann Arbor, uh, down to the, um, Yost Ice Arena, where they would provide lunch, and then after that, we would go into um, like three or four um, on ice. Like I want to say about three on ice sessions each time for about half hour, uh, forty five minutes each, and then uh, you get to make that nice 
a mile and a half uh, walk back up to Powers Arena, or not Arena, but Powers uh, Auditorium, where I was, yeah, I was hurting. <laughs> Day three, I did not bring the right shoes to be walking a mile and a half both or one way. Uh, I had some blisters, but I toughed it out. But uh, yeah, so did that, you know, and then after you got back, you would do like a couple more, um, you know, just brief you know seminars and then that was it for the day i mean you, they had some a lot of networking stuff um but uh typically at the end of each so the first day they had um you know more of like a motivational coach there who you know fantastic real i mean the guy was like on speed he was just you so great. i got you know I'm, I'm it's gonna kill me now so i'm gonna but he's got like youtube videos i'd love to look them up uh, let's see here, TCS Live. I'll probably cut this part out. Um, let's see what the schedule was. So, uh, and then I'll, I'll see exactly who had. Uh, so we had um, so Carla uh, McLeod, who was the head coach of the Chechia Women's National Team. That was a great one. Uh, Dan Arell, who is uh, works for the San Diego Oilers, uh, director of coaching education. Um, Let's see here. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. Um, God. Uh, so actually, Derek Lalonde was, uh, or is this Lalonde or Lalonde, the head coach of the Red Wings. Lalonde, yeah. Yeah, Lalonde. He was there for uh, just simple habits on the uh, power play. But hold on. Glenn, it's Glenn, uh, what's his face? God, and now I came. Holton or, uh, or Glutton. Golton. That's what it was. Glenn Golton. 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 Littering in, littering. Anyhow, so he was there. Um, but yeah, so the the at the end of the last one, it was psychology of leadership. It was by uh, Ryan Blank. Um, he's the founder and CEO of Deviate. Um, again, it was great. Um, you know, the communication. A lot. A lot of it was just kind of talking. You know, how how do we talk? What do we say? This. You know, just. Again, I wish I would have taken more notes, and I'll get in that in a second. Um, the end of the second day, though, they had uh, Dr. Jody Carrington. And I'll tell you what, uh, she's a psychologist. Hers was leading a connected culture. She was fantastic, like amazing. Like she kept all of us like on our toes, and that's great. I mean, she might as well have been like you know she had the mouth of a sailor, but she was she was really good. What's your um, name again? I'll, I'll look it up. Uh, her name was uh, Dr. Jody Carrington. She's written a few books, um, but again, hers was powerful. I mean, it was. She's like one of those people where if I like had to see a psychologist, she would be the one I would want to see, just because like she gives it to you straight. But she's got a sense of humor, and like I said, she's got like one of those like sailors, uh, you know, mouth of a sailor, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we had again. We had Matt uh, Smabby from uh, or Smabby from the Waterloo Blackhawks. Um, we had uh, Brandon Narado uh, was talked uh, had interviewed by Dr. Kathy Babick, um, who's the professor of sports management at, at uh, University of Michigan, and uh, Brandon's the one who just took over. Or he was last year the head coach, and he will be this year as well. Um, and then again, we. I mean, there's so many people. It's just like it's. So many different names. I don't want to leave anybody out, but uh, well, that's a phenomenal list, and I'm but, sure you got a lot of a ton of great information. Yeah, all, I mean, all, all over the map too. And you know, at the very end, uh, you know, this is probably for some people it's hit or miss, but uh, they had uh, the very last 
thing they had was uh, Elliot Friedman was there with uh, interviewing Mike Babcock, uh, reliving the Very 2010 cool. gold medal game. So they showed some clips there. Um, I talked about it. It was funny because at the time, you know, the, the basically the unwritten, you know, not unwritten, but the, you know, the everybody knew that Mike Babcock was, you know, going to get signed by Columbus to become their yes. head coach. But as he said, he goes, well, uh, and I'm currently still being uh, paid, you know, for the, you know, seven million dollars uh, by the Leafs. So, you know, he basically had to wait until July 1st before they could announce that he was the head coach. So he wouldn't say it out loud. And, you know, Friedman's just sitting there like, come on, I know I'm the one who broke the news. Come on, like, let's and he, <laughs> but his was actually good. I mean, it was entertaining. You know, he in the guy's a no nonsense kind of guy, but I don't know. I know he's got his and that's probably a discussion for another day. You know, the issues that he had when he was out in, uh, you know, not only in in Detroit, but up in, uh, you know, Toronto. But it, uh, you I know, read, I read his book. I, I, I thought that, you know, he came across pretty articulate, obviously, when you have a chance to proofread, right? <laughs> no, uh, but I mean, yeah. They, but it was, it was all about that two twenty ten gold medal game that that book that he recently came out with, and it was good. It was a good book. I'd recommend. Yeah, and it. you know, it's funny. Like, the one thing that I liked that kind of going around with it was, and this is what uh, myself and I went with uh, my friend and mentor Randy Jordan. Uh, we you know, we talked about it was, you know, you've got all these guys from all these same NHL club, like same league NHL, and I, you you're going over what you know. Um, let's see, for example, you know, uh, you know, Glenn, you know, Glenn Goldson, he's going over the three, you know, their defensive zone coverage in, you know, Edmonton. Um, but then you've got Pete DeBoer, who's going over, you know, offensive zone concepts that they use in Dallas. Um, then you've got Ryan Huska, who's going over the PK switches and stuff, you know, to apply pressure and he's with the flames. Um, so it's it was like there's not really many secrets amongst the teams and it's you know I kind of relate that back to the parents these days who are like oh we got to our kids need to know this forecheck or this breakout or you know these sub plays and it's like look there's really no like hidden secrets in hockey there's really no like everybody kind of plays the same style uh maybe some want something a little bit different but um you know it, it just to me it was just like here are these guys who are going to be competing against each other next year. Um, and they had, you know, here, this is what we do. Like, you know, no big deal. Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny, but, uh, honestly, overall, um, you know, again, I, next year for sure, I'll be going back. It's in Ann Arbor again. Um, I, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So from a, uh, I got a lot of information. One thing that was rough, not rough was, um, Again, with so much information, um, you know, you got to get – they put slides up and I finally just started doing the half of everybody else was doing was like taking pictures of like the slides because yeah. you just didn't have enough time. And I felt like I wasn't able to really mentally like grasp everything because I'm just sitting there taking notes. So finally the third day I just put my notebook down. And I was like, you know what? If something – if it resonates with me, I'll remember it. Yeah. Um, which I did uh, some stuff and I, again, then I've written it down but – like it's just like I didn't want to be buried in a notebook all day. So I feel you. It, it it was good though. I mean, honestly, it was great the ability to network with so many people that I've talked to over you know Twitter, um, just in general. Um, 
it was it was fun. I really enjoyed it, and I would recommend it to any coach out there who has the funds and the time availability to go. Um, you know, and I think that's something that all coaches should look into doing. Is I know with USA Hockey, they want us to do you know the continuing education type stuff. Um, and the one thing that was nice about this was it wasn't slanted towards Hockey Canada or you know USA hockey like it was just whatever like it was just there was no agendas there was no governing body it was for whoever so yeah. again you're you're sitting here and I'm listening to the guys from Norway I'm listening to you know uh you know the head coach of the women's uh, Chechia's uh, you know uh women's national team so overall I mean it was it was fantastic again I would recommend it for anybody that's uh interested well, that's one of the really, I think, there's really, the summer is a great place to begin your next season. Uh, it's not a great, it's not a place I think that anybody's season should die, players or coaches. I think that in terms of my perspective as a coach, um, I'm eager to do summer camps when they're the right fit for like my schedule and things like that. Um, because A, I can use them as recruiting tools. You know, there's a player or two out there at the Denver camp that, might fit into our split season team so they play a prep school or things like that. Um, but I also get to like, you know, intermingle with some great, great guys and get some feedback and watch practices and pick up a new drill or two. And they get to, you know, push for pucks for me. I push pucks for them and that's great stuff. And you can really, you can gain so much information. And I always say to young coaches that, um, you know, they always want to be a head coach or they always want to coach a team during the season, but, you can make some really huge gains just by getting in the off season, going to going to one or two camps, and it opens up so many platforms or different opportunities down the road because you've gained more knowledge, you've gained more experience, you've mingled with coaches, and you found out the right way to do things, the wrong way to do things. So don't waste that opportunity in the summer. Coaches, get out there and and uh, take some other challenges on because you can really, really improve your style and coach your coaching ability. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, you know, the, the other one they had that recently was the one down in Nashville that was put together by the uh, NHL Coaches Association. I just, honestly, for the full, it was only one day. It cost almost the same as this, TCS Live. Maybe next year I'll give it a shot as well, but I just couldn't see just how much they were offering for this. was just so, it was just so much, and it was so many different things. So much and so you know, variety of different stuff that, it, again, I enjoyed it a whole lot. I plan on going next year, um, Lord willing. Uh, and, uh, but uh, well, Before we get into like the kids, a kid's perspective on what they should look for in camps um, and what, what they should strive to accomplish in the off season, I think um, doing a comparison and contrast of our experiences with other coaches and learning from other coaches and with other coaches at those types of events we just attended, compared to what USA Hockey is doing with their module training and their in-person seminars, what would you say are some of the positives and negatives when you compare and contrast those two, those two entities where it's like you have this you know, privately funded uh, coaches site or going to go on another camp and mingling with other coaches compared to like the modules that you have to take from USA Hockey or the training that you have to take as level one, two, three, four, et cetera, from USA Hockey. What are some of the strengths? What are some of the uh, weaknesses? I think strength-wise, you know, again, I think USA Hockey was ahead of the curve with then Hockey Canada with, uh, you know, the long-term uh, athlete development, um, especially putting together, um, you know, 
doing a lot more station-based practices at the younger ages, playing half-ice or cross-ice games, whatever it was. Um, you know, the ADM, obviously, I think they were ahead of the curve on that. Um, that said, as we've spoken before, you know, even with Dave Starman, it was, okay, well, like, but how do... I, I felt like it was just kind of like a guide, but not enough info, I guess you could say. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like just USA Hockey just... The ones that I've attended, and again, I haven't had to attend one since probably 2015, 2014, maybe. Yeah. Uh, my level four. I, it was always just about ADM, this, this, and that, where, um, you know, these privately one funded ones, it, they're just more broad. They're just, there's no agenda. There's no, you know, I mean, literally, you've got co- one person who comes up who coaches at one level saying, oh, this is what we do. And then you've got a coach from another level or a different league who says, well, we do the complete opposite, and this is how we, you know, what we do. Whereas when you're at, you know, those USA Hockey ones, um, and I'm sure they're probably the same with, you know, Hockey Canada, it's, well, this is what we want to do. This is the standardization, what we want to do. So I feel like there's a little bit more, um, there's different ideas, and there's different reasons why they they do those things. And it, it sparks more of a thought process as a coach. Like, okay, well, which one do I agree with? Which one do I want to implement? Um you know, so I feel like that's a strength and, and a weakness of, you know, again, USA hockey ones. Um, I'm going to be quite honest, USA hockey level one and two. I don't know about you, even three. I was bored out of my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I would say that that's my opinion. That's the biggest weakness of, of that. Those, those, uh, in-person seminars is the one, two, and three is the constant redundancy. Like you should be able to test out of that stuff. If you did want level one and you had a good year, you retain that knowledge. Um, now you sign up for level two. Like we should be able to exact, like speed up that process so we can get higher level information because it felt like literally I attended level one one year and I got the same exact information on level two and I got pretty basically the same exact information on level three except it was a longer day. Level four right. had some more stuff, but still like you got to speak to all these great different coaches. Uh, and here in New Hampshire, we have Bobby Rodriguez. He's a great coach in, tree, in chief. He's the coach at Kane State. He works with Larry Rocco, who's the head coach at St. Anselm College, NCAA Division II. They're both really great guys, but it's just them driving the whole weekend, driving the whole bus. Like, get some other speakers. We're here in New Hampshire. We're 90 minutes from Boston. Like, you got plenty of coaches who can talk, you know. And that's not a criticism right. of Bobby and Larry. They do a great job. But I think we can get we can get more um, we can get more cooks in the kitchen. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know who does the Illinois right now, uh, you know, USA Hockey ones, because I haven't had to take them in a while, and I couldn't even remember them when I was doing it, because that's just, sadly, I was just bored. I, again, it was, I felt a lot of it was, and this is, my level three was when we actually had to go on the ice for ours, um, which they don't even do anymore. Um, honestly, I feel I get more out of the modules now than I ever did with any of the clinics. Um, and while a lot of the modules do as well with USA Hockey feel redundant uh, on their own, um, I again, I, I feel like I, I do get some more information out of those than just being at the USA Hockey Clinics. And again, I, I, I don't feel – I feel like there's not enough people at least – you know, qual not qualified is not the right word, but I just wasn't interested in like the guests they had. You know, it was like three or four guests, and that was like that was it. And we're talking like two and a half, three days almost yeah. for level four. So I think that going outside of the norm, um, 
and and doing something like this. I thought it was very beneficial. Um, you know, and again, like I said, I mean, I think if anybody wants to strive to become better coaches, I mean, there's so many different means out there. I mean, I know that this entire this entire weekend or that entire weekend will eventually be up on the coaches' site. Uh, you can watch all the seminars and the and such. Um, you know, you got to have a subscription for it. Uh, you know, so that'll be up there. But you know, and you can go and read books. Uh, you know, plenty of books out there about coaching hockey. Uh, you can read, you know, like the hockey planner um <laughs> on Substacks. <laughs> i mean there's just so much out there i think you know trying to be get better as a coach you know especially we're talking about the summer you know before we talk about players here i think there's a lot we can do as coaches um you know and again you know you you don't have to go up to michigan for a, a seminar or something you can't afford it you can't do it i mean we most of us are doing this you know as like a part-time gig um you know it's not my full-time job so i had a burn three or two vacation days to go you know (laughs) which was fine i was happy about it you know but some people just don't have that luxury so um you know i think that's one of the other that's just one thing about it but um you know what are your thoughts strengths and weaknesses yeah no i I agree 100 percent with everything that you said i think as a young young coaches who want to get into coaching i think there has to be an acceptance that everything you do is either going to cost a little money or not make it a ton of money so you got to get out there and you got to listen and you got to learn from other coaches. No matter how level, high level a player you were, I think finding out how to communicate, finding out different systems and structures and how operations work makes a big difference and really prepares you for what you're going through. And, and it's not like you can't go to just one summer worth of stuff. It's got to be like a consistent thing where you every year you get a little bit better and you acquire more information. You know, there's a couple of great young coaches that we have out here in New Hampshire that always ask me for different ideas and I, I say the same thing is like don't don't try to do it all on your own like be an assistant coach for a little bit learn from other people and you know humble yourself a little bit and go work at camp where maybe you're not making a ton of money but like you're you know you're learning how they do things if you want to be able to do things on your own you've got to watch how other people do it you can't just be like well i'm just gonna throw it together it, it takes time and i think that uh there's a there's a lot to be learned from from that kind of stuff. Absolutely. I, again, so I mean, if if you have the means, if you have the ability, you know, there's nothing wrong with always. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying to get better as a coach, and I think that we should all, as you know, coaches, especially for the, especially not only for ourselves but for the kids' sakes, you know, try and learn more, get new information, you know, become become better coaches because at the end of the day, that, that produces better players. Yeah, one, so, one of the best things I ever did, honestly, in I'm going to say in 2015, 16, at Christmas break, the kids go home for the holidays. This is with our EHL elite team, it was called at the time. Uh, I reached out over Christmas break to Hubie McDonough. He was running the Manchester Monarchs. They were in the AHL at the time. And I sent him a quick email and said, hey, Hubie, I'm, I'm in Laconia. I run a junior program up here. Uh, I'd love to just go watch your practice. Hockey guys are good guys for the most part. Hubie was like, sure, we practice tomorrow at 9. What time? You know, can I get you a coffee? He was like the most best human <laughs> being I ever met in my life. So I sat next to Yubi. I watched him watch their practice. They, had, they, I think they went to the the AHL. They might have won the Calder Cup that year. They were really, really good. They had like, uh, uh, what's the guy? Uh, Dowd. Nick Dowd was on the team. Um, okay. They had a bunch of really good guys. I think we could, if you go up on EP, we could see a, they had a sick squad that year. It was one of their last years in the American League. Um, and then a couple years after that. 
uh, and getting some you know good information about some how to, different practice ideas, he actually said, well, you should bring your team out for one day. So our team went out like a month later and went out and practiced with the AHL staff for like 30 minutes. And that was kind of unbelievable. That's and awesome. Then, yeah. Then a couple of years down the road, uh, Rich Seeley was the GM. He was the head coach. He's now the head coach for the or the GM for the Ontario Reign out in California. Uh, Rich, I sent him an email at the end of the season. was like, hey, I have some, some different th- ideas about um, overtime, three on three, four on three. You know, what are you guys doing? He said, well, just come down for a practice. So I came down and I hung out with those guys for like a morning, him and Jeff Giuliano, who's the assistant now at UNH. I, I'm totally name dropping here, but I want to give perspective yeah, on how, yeah, no, I mean, how accessible cool. these guys are. You know, you shoot them an email. I get it. You're cooler than I am. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I literally was, you know, it's just an email. No, I shot them an email and they were like, yeah, come down. Sure. And it was, it was, I gained so much information just from those guys, just from hanging out with them for a morning. And I don't think that's off limits to a lot of other coaches. If, if you guys shoot an email or, or something like that, most guys are pretty accommodating and you no, can get absolutely. so much out of it. Again, it's uh, it's just making that move. I mean, a lot of people, I think, just are kind of afraid of what they're going to do. But again, I mean, if a coach is like, "Hey, can I come out to one of your practices?" Uh, you know, I'm I'm struggling with this, this or that. I'd be like, "Sure, hell yeah!" I mean, wh- what are you what are you struggling with? I'll make sure my practice has a little bit of that, you know, flavor into it. But um, yeah, and it, break, no, it breaks up the monotony too for your guys. Oh, have some, absolutely. A new fresh face. I've I've done it before where I've had you know, again different coaches come out that I you know I've had where I'm like hey you know my team's really struggling with their skating and again you and I both know I mean one practice isn't going to make or break the you know is not going to change everything overnight but hearing you know as you said hearing a different voice having a different um, you know just just some somebody else different drills something yeah um, as you said you break up that monotony and. Uh, you know, maybe somebody gets something out of it. That's what you basically hope for. But on the player side, you know, summer summertime. Um, you know, what do you? Uh, what What are your thoughts? Well, I'm a big advocate for hockey camps. I think hockey camps are great. I think kids too often now the big thing is like spring teams or summer teams. And I do a summer team here in New Hampshire, but it's one tournament and we practice for a couple times with a workout right before the tournament. It's not like all summer long. So it's just kind of a snapshot. And I think that when kids just keep playing games all summer, they miss such a growth opportunity if they're not attending camps or high-level um, individual or skills training. And, you know, there's camp, there's a camp for everybody out there, whether it's a power skating camp run by Laura Stan, which is, I think, in my opinion, great for like 10 to 16-year-olds. Um, Turcotte Stickling School, I think I went when I was like 13 or 14. That was a great camp. Uh, you have a lot of college camps uh, you can go to. I remember Providence College used to have a great college, great camp in the 80s and 90s. And Lou Lamarillo actually used to like work at the camp and used to be the guy at the camp. I remember seeing his bald head when I went to it when <laughs> I was a kid. But it was an awesome camp. It was a great camp. And then now they have these huge businesses like Pro Ambitions and uh, yeah. other ones. And I think there's there's value and merits to all those camps. But you got to find the right fit. And I think you should definitely consider camps over summer teams, tournament teams, even summer house league and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. I, I think you got to obviously limit yourself not being, you know, doing one camp one week, one camp the next, you know, obviously. Oh, for kinda, sure. Because you do get some people that are just, you know, the kids are c- consistently at camps and you need some of that downtime. You need some of that time away from the rink and just playing other sports and 
just also save some money in mom and dad's pocketbook. But, uh, you know, I, I do, I do like having kids, you know, when I hear, Oh, they're going to this camp or that, you know, uh, you know, sometimes even locally, you know, we'll, we'll check it out. You know, I'll just check out a day or, you know, a session, uh, hell you can pull it up on live barn, what they're doing. Um, I think really the most important part is just making sure that hey, it's, it's going to be fun for your kid. Um, you know, there's some socializing, maybe if he's going with some buddies, maybe if not, you know, God forbid kids got to try and learn how to make friends nowadays, um, on their own. Um, I mean, I went to Michigan state by myself and by the end of the week, I was the most hated player there. So I mean, it was, uh, (laughs) yeah, well, that's when you, when you play like I did in the scrimmages, that's, uh, that's what happens. But, uh, my roommate at least liked me, I thought. Um, so anyhow, but, uh. That's uh, neither here nor there, but yeah, I mean, I think I think they're important. I think they're good. I think the big thing is you want to make sure that you're when you're doing these camps that again they're they're going to be quality. You're going to have a good coach to you know player ratio, and again, most of these camps, you know, they're if you've got four coach, you know, a coach to every nine, ten kids, you're you're lucky, you know. Um, but you know, you want to make sure those coaches are also though like active. Cause I've been to camps where I've seen, you know, coaches are basically just holding up the boards yeah. while the one guy who runs the camp and he's paying those coaches a little bit here and there, you know, a little bit money, but he's basically the one who's scooping up a big chunk of the pie. Cause it's their name on it. Um, you know, they're the ones who are running everything and everybody else is just like, Oh, just here, make sure you stand in line. So I think I do like hockey camps. I mean, when I was growing up, I, the Blackhawks had one, uh, I went to that was fun. Uh, again, Michigan State. I did. Uh, Kenny McCudden uh, used to be the Wolves Skills uh, instructor or director of skills, and then uh, works for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I think right now still is assistant coach. I went to his camps. Uh, again, all fun. Um, never. I think I was basically aged out by the time pro ambitions kind of came around. Um, but again, I mean, it's more or less just make sure that you're you know you feel like you're whatever you're investing your time and your money into your kids going to get the most out of it. And again, as you said, players, I mean, that's really, it's, you know, it's, I'm not a huge fan of the whole summer teams and stuff like this. Let's drive out of town, go to this, go to that, especially at the younger ages, but to each his own, um, you know, some, some of them, I think they're just kind of fly by night, uh, you know, teams and stuff like that, which is fine if you want to go with your buddies, but I think there's a lot of people that feel like they're missing out. You know, you got that FOMO of uh, just, oh, no, my kid's not doing anything. He's not doing hockey. He's going to get passed by, you know, little little Timmy over here. Well, I mean, maybe doubtful uh, in the long long scheme of things. So hit or miss for me. Uh, but, I, I mean, I do like hockey camps. I, I do like one or two a year or the summer and yes. then, uh, you know, go from there. As you were saying, like, that's I think that's the biggest crippling thing you could do to a kid is – is uh, to really accelerate burnout is to sign them up for six weeks of camps, whether it's the same camp or different camps. Like they do need a break and they do need to be a kid and they do need to play other sports and they do need to be outside and swim in the pool and all that kind of stuff. So I think one or two camps is great if they're spaced out. You get into that two-week stretch, if they're doing them back-to-back, that can be really a challenge for a kid mentally not to see his friends and be sleeping away from home at 10, 11 years old for sure. Oh, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, it's uh, just keep it keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. Big spot here, okay? All right. You ready? Well, uh, never, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get it go. <laughs> <laughs> 
what's the best hockey camp you ever you ever attended or, or saw or witnessed? Like you were in the building for, coached with, or attended yourself? What's the best one? Uh, best one off the top of my head. Um, you know, I honestly feel like I got the most out of the Kenny McCutton ones because he Kenny did a great job. Uh, he did a lot of the demonstrating, um, but the coaches that he had that were with him were uh, at the time were uh, Chicago Freeze players, um, and this is back when you know you, you had the USHL, but it was it wasn't as much of a split between the NA and the USHL, but. Um, you know, the, and they were qual. I mean, they were qualified coaches. They were serious about it. Um, they were great at demonstrating as well. They kept you honest. Um, so I did that. Uh, I actually did two of his, and they were great. I mean, we were on the ice twice a day. Um, you know, you're out of the same rink. I I went in knowing nobody. Um, you know, and I ended up leaving with you know you know friends at different clubs. Uh, so that was those were my favorite. Um, you know, close second would probably be the uh, Michigan State one. But, you know, again, I mean, we got to skate uh, at, uh, God, what is their ring called now? It's killing me. Um, what is it? Uh, damn it. Well, you got to skate at the college rink. Um, <laughs> and we got the new, well, whatever is new. But we also got to, you know, play floor hockey in the old, old rink. So that was pretty badass, too. Um uh, the kids, the talent level was really unreal. There was a lot of talented kids. Um, that one, it was fun. Uh, the only thing that really sucked, kind of that one, was it was a stay away overnight like one, and we had to stay in the dorms that had no ACs. So you were basically Yikes. like bringing in middle of July, like, and a fan's not going to help when they put like two guys to a room, and the Are dorm you? room. Yeah, and the yeah exactly, and the dorm room was made for like one person, and you've got two two hockey players on cots. You know, it just sucked. That part stunk. But food was good, like you said, Colorado College, you know, or University of Colorado, uh, or was it Denver? Sorry, Denver. Fucking my the life. food was fantastic. Yeah, I mean the food was great, and uh, we were actually there at the same time as the volleyball camp, so that was fun too. You know, and then you got to see the girls and their coaches. My God, they got the you know the Amazons, the, you know, the yeah the Michigan State <laughs> women's volleyball players. They were like six six, six five, and I'm just like looking up at them, and I was like, please don't hurt me. Um, <laughs> so that was fun. I mean, it was fun. It just I the whole just staying overnight, the whole. Uh, sleeping and like sweating. I mean, I think I lost more weight sleeping than I did actually skating. So, um, <laughs> but how about yourself? How about what? Uh, what do you got? I, I attended a lot of camps when I was a kid, like from you know, the age of probably eleven on, all the way to like high school graduation. You know, I, I attended a lot of college camps and local camps. Um, I loved uh, Laura Stam. I thought that you know. You could go to a Laura Stam clinic and you could gain some information and improve your game in, in literally a weekend. Uh, she really was a, and she's kind of, she's not as big now, but in this 80s and 90s, she, she was the guru when it came to power skating and, and really detailed on, on stride mechanics and things like that. So I, I definitely think Laura Stam made a big impact uh, on my skating stride in a short amount of time. Like I didn't attend a million of her camps, but the ones I did were really valuable. And then I always have a soft space in my heart for the Ocean Hockey School in Bricktown, New Jersey on Chambers Bridge Road. Uh, in the <laughs> 80s and 90s, that place was sick. It had its own dormitory right behind the rink. It had its own pool. It had its own street hockey court. 
So you play, you're on the ice twice a day. You had off ice skills. You had shoot hockey tournament all week at night. You had Jim Dowd always coming in and out of the building. Uh, <laughs> it was great. It was just a great, great camp. And, uh, you know, the food was garbage. Uh, great D but edible <laughs> meat by Joan Dulette, the former owner. Uh, the jerseys were completely cheap. They were the thinnest material I've ever imagined. But I have some great memories from going to the Oshaki School. Then I got a chance when I was older to work at the Oshaki School, and I got to be a counselor and a coach, and that was fun. So, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so I have nothing but great memories from Oshaki School. And then, you know, I went back a couple of years ago, um, and the dormitory's, like, decrepit, and the pool's, like, uh, concreted in, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. and you know, it's just like, oh, the memories, you know, I can't believe it's so, it's like this. And then actually, so a funny story, they had this, it was Doc Doulette, Joan's father built the rink because one of his oldest daughters was like a figure skating coach. And uh, my dad always had this fun relationship with Doc Doulette. Nobody, nobody really talked to him because he was like this really quiet old guy and he would be out there like mowing the lawn in this big field they had behind the rink where he all, <laughs> all played soccer. But nobody knew who he was. And then my dad would be like, Hey doc, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> so, uh, and he was like, Oh, how you doing? You know? So, um, and he was, the, he was a real mover and shaker over there, but that was a great, uh, that was always a great camp. No, that's, that's, again, it's funny. Like, again, we're older now and, uh, we still get to remember all those things, especially down to the nitty gritty with, uh, the food stuff seems how, funny how that seems more important nowadays, but I had uh, never seen eggs like that you pour, like, Oh yeah, no. You know what I mean, like, like, what is that? Like, I thought eggs came out of a chicken's butt. Like, you, you crack yeah. it open, you make no, egg. No, no, they you, put it. Yeah, oh. you go to the ocean hockey school, and it's like they just pour it out like milk, and all of a sudden you got eggs there. It's like, well, they don't taste like eggs. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh God. Well, uh, good thing I'm not eating dinner tonight. So uh, <laughs> it wasn't. Well, not now, but uh, yeah. No. So that's. Uh, Again, it's those are all good times, and again, it's great that I mean you remember these things, and you know our jobs as coaches is to make sure kids, you know, whatever they attend at camp or training with us, that you know they can they got their own stories that are you know fun and they enjoyed it or they at least got something out of it. Absolutely. If there was one piece of advice you could tell to a parent on picking a camp, what would it be? Um. Again, I mean, I'm I'm really big on the, you know, ROI, you know, your return on investment, like how many coaches are going to be there, how many kids are going to be on the ice, and how many, you know, how much are you going to be on, is your child going to be on the ice? Um, you know, I think those are all really important, um, you know, to me that is, um, you know, we are in, well, Maybe we're in a recession. Maybe we're not. I don't know. You know, people say whatever. But again, it's really what what are you getting your money's worth? You pay a lot of money during the regular season. Um, now you're sending your kid to do some type of camp. So I really think it's just who's the coach? How are they running the you know the camp? How many coaches are they going to have? You know, helping them. How many kids are going to be on the ice? And then just how many ice touches are you get? I know that's a lot. It's like four things right there. But I think those are really four Definitely. key things. Uh, how about yourself? The curriculum. What is the objective of the camp? Uh, what will my kid at the end of the week or whatever length of period of the camp is? What is he supposed to have learned? Um, and what, like, what? How are we going to get there? So, like, if, like you said, if it's if it's one practice a week with an off ice, or if it's, is it two? Um, how is he going to acquire all the skills necessary within that time constraint to to acquire like a advanced level of knowledge after only a few days? So the curriculum, I think, is important. I, and I don't get it. I don't know why people call like a four week uh, 
oh, like, oh, we're going to do all these summer camps. And it's like, you're on the ice like twice a week and that's it. Like you're, you're going to do like a, a summer, summer skates, like summer skill sessions. Yeah. You know? Yes. I've seen that recently too. It's like, oh, we got these summer camps and it's like, oh, we're, you're on the ice every Monday and Wednesday for, you know, five, six weeks. It's like, that's not a camp. A camp's no. a week long and yes. that's it. You know, what you're doing is summer skates or, you know, skill sessions or whatever. But I don't know. That's yes, my There's, there's a company here. down in, in Hooksit, um, south of here, and, and they always promote like elite summer, summer camps. And it's like on the ice Monday, workout Wednesday. Eight weeks. <laughs> what is that? What the fuck is that, bro? Right. Where? What are you going to do the other three days of the week? And you know, yeah, it's sleep at the rink and just wait for the next session. Right. I, I guess. I mean, maybe I don't know. So I think you just got to really label it the correct way, and I yes. think that also can be deceiving for parents. So that's something you might want to look out for too. Make sure you're signing your kid up for. You know, if you want you want your kid to be on the ice once a week, sign them up for skills, you know, or or training or whatever. If you I want your kid to be on the ice for a whole week, sign them for a damn camp. There you yeah, go. And definition it, of a camp is you show up Monday or Sunday, 40 kids, maybe 50. You don't know anybody except for the buddy who's next to you who you signed up with. Right. And then by the end of the week, you have a million stories. That's a camp. That's, to me, I, yep. I'll uh, put a pin on that one, put it on my board here, and I 1,000% agree on that one. <laughs> All right, what do you got for five minutes, Trevor? Well, let's, let's see. This week, uh, we are going to be talking about the five myths of drumroll. We are talking about the five myths of summer hockey. And uh, actually, it's your topic, so... Uh, You've got one, three, and five. I just got two and four. So, Coach, what's uh, your first myth of uh, summer hockey? Number one is you should play just for fun. Uh, I think fun is an important element of summer hockey. Uh, I think a lot of that fun comes from getting new coaches, getting new teams, getting new kids on your team, getting new jerseys, uh, showing up to rink and flip-flops. Like that, That's part of the fun. But you should also have a goal in mind. You know, If you want to get better and if you want to advance your career, Think about the programs you're signing up for and make sure that they are aligned with your goals. If you struggle to skate, don't sign up for a million puck handling camps. Uh, if you struggle to, um, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you, you know, if, if you're a high school kid and you want to play against tougher competition, don't sign up for the middle school league. Make sure you sign up for the appropriate <laughs> camp so that you can get the, you can get the most out of your summer experience. I would just say, you know, your dollars only go so far, so make sure that you get the most out of them. No, for sure. I, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a little misleading because we do want, you know, it, it should be for fun as well, but I think it's, is you're right. I mean, if you're, if you're a kid who, you know, you want to be a well-rounded player. So if you really need to work on your, you know, power skating, yeah, make sure it's more power, you know, skating focused, but also don't be afraid to mix and match. You know, as you said, you know, there's a stick handling camp or a shooting camp or just a regular camp in general where you're going to be doing all that stuff. I think that's important too. So, uh, number two, uh, it's important to go to numerous hockey camps. Uh, you know, as we already just talked about before, I, I don't think it is. I think maybe one or two, um, you know, even if you go to one, I mean, really again, the summer is, at the younger ages, it's time for you to kind of recharge, play other sports, become, you know, more, again, more of a, you know, that long-term athlete development, uh, 
you know, become a better athlete in general, but get away from the rink. You know, again, I see so many people that are, oh, we're doing three on three here and we're doing three on three here and we're doing this camp and this guy's camp and this skills. It's like, when does the kid have a chance to breathe? Yeah. Uh, so again, for me, it's, you know, just more or less, you know, one or two here and there. I mean, if your kid wants to play three on three, great. You know, whatever is up to you, you know, your kid wants to do, but as I said before, don't have that, you know, that fear of missing out where if your kid's not doing a hockey camp every week or this guy's camp or this camp, don't, in my opinion, you don't have to go to all those, um, you know, keep it, keep it realistic and keep it kind of, you know, simple, stupid. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that that's a, it's a common, like common mistake that parents make is they, they want to give their, and it's, it's, it's a mistake that's in the right place. You know, you want to give your kid every right. opportunity. You want to give your kid every chance to be successful, but inevitably you can kind of hurt them more than help them sometimes when you, when you sign them up for everything and it's not player driven. If the player doesn't want to do it, if he's on kind of in half, half in, half out, well then do one thing that he's really excited about. And then the rest of the summer, let him be a kid. And that'll develop that long-term athletic you know, ability when he's doing other sports but also give him a chance to decompress and miss the game a little bit. When you miss the game and you get back on the ice, there's nothing better. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you got for number three, coach? Number three, you have to play at blank to be seen by scouts. And we see that a lot at the junior level out here on the East Coast. You know, everybody wants to get on a pre-draft team or a chowder cup team. You got, you're shaking your head, Trevor. I'm just shaking it because it's everywhere. It's not just out East. It's everywhere. <laughs> but go ahead. Sorry. I mean – if that's the if that's the criteria, then why do you play the season, right? <laughs> like like you play fifty games right. in the season, yeah. you play at multiple showcases and tournaments and playoffs during the year. You have your USA Hockey Festival tryouts during the year. Uh, it culminates, you know, at the end of, in the summer in July in Buffalo. But like, you know, you don't have to play all these tournaments in the summer. Like, I remember a parent a couple of years ago was like, "Well, my kid's playing in the World Junior Champ." World Youth Championships in Philadelphia in June, and this and I was like, I don't know what that is. What is that? Like, what is, <laughs> yeah. is that the is that the, the the World Cup or something? Is that like, is he going to Beijing and playing against Europe and Norway? Like, like right. no, he's playing against another team from Philadelphia. I don't give a shit. Right. <laughs> nobody gives a shit. No, nobody cares. So, so um, just be careful what you're buying, parents. Like, make sure like. You don't have to get go to all these summer showcases. You don't have to go to the mini mini pre draft uh, pre draft combine or whatever. It was. Just, just uh, <laughs> go ahead, Trevor. No, I mean, and that's why I was shaking my head. Was there was that was the one thing that killed me was going as a scout, you know, or a recruiter for the tier three clubs that I worked for, whether it was you know out in Rochester or Steel County was. Some of them, I would see the same kid if I went to like three of them locally. I'd see the same kid at the same ones. And then if I was talking to, like, a player, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, what are your other options? Uh, you know, this this fall, just to, you know, get an idea. Well, I'm going to go to this so-and-so's pre-draft camp. And again, as I've said before, I'm coming from a Tier 3 club, and I'm the only Tier 3 coach talking to you. There's other Tier 2 coaches here. They're not talking to you. But you're going to go to their camp. Fine. Okay. Hey, you know what? Give it a shot. See where you're at. Hopefully it gives you some realistic expectations. And then you'd hear, well, and then after that tier two camp, I'm going to go to this tier two camp. And it's like, dude, like you're, you're pretty much paying it a season, like a tuition. You're, you're paying your entire fall fees in a summer when either you go back and play, you know, triple A, or you just sign with me right now and we, we could save you a whole bunch of money. But 
as you said, you know, you got parents that are fear. Again, it's that fear of missing out of, oh, you know, if we're not at this camp, not at that camp. Like, at a certain point, you got to be realistic here. And I think, yeah, too many people spend way too much money chasing at the junior level, chasing teams that they have no business being on because they're just not skilled or talented enough for those. And that's the hard truth of it. Um, and I think it, it's also just, again, just trying to, again, weasel, not weasel, that's not the right word. I think it's, you're just trying to stick your, just trying to get involved with something that you're not going to get into. Like, again, I've sat up with the coaches. We sit there and we're just like, okay, why is this kid here? Like, I hope the kid doesn't get fucking killed really is what it comes down to. So <laughs> it's like, you know, so yeah, definitely you gotta, it's not just East coast. It's Midwest. It's probably central or not Illinois, central America, central America, central, the central time zone, like the Minnesota area. It's on the West coast. It's everywhere. It's, you got too many kids hopping from one to the other thinking that it's going to, one's going to give them a better chance. Like, again, if you're good enough, we'll find you. Uh, Absolutely. But, you know, I I would say that in in terms of what you just said, you know, that pool of money, right? Uh, Unless you're, you know, uh, Bill Gates's kids or or Walton or something, uh, there's a limited amount of money, right? So like, let's say you're going to invest $3,000 in the camps in the summer. Like that's your goal. Maybe you did that last summer. You went to the NA combine at four different locations, a pre-draft camp, whatever it may be, and it cost you $3,000. You'd be better off, better off. And I'd like to see like you compare one year to the next, taking $1,200 of that money and giving it to a private instructor to do summer uh, skating or skills sessions, taking another $500 and playing in the three-on-three summer league, and then taking the remaining balance of $1,300 and getting a personal trainer. And he could, uh, where he could be there multiple days a week, work out, get stronger. I guarantee, without the shadow of a doubt, I don't make many guarantees in life. It doesn't, <laughs> But I will guarantee you'll be a better hockey player the end of the summer from that investment rather than just touring around the globe trying out for every other team. And your kid will be more confident. If a kid gets cut all summer, he's going to go into the season being like, oh, I suck. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I, that's, that's a perfect place in a way of spending your money efficiently and getting a good ROI on it. Now for number four, I did kind of just bear with me folks, but I did kind of just like, it's like, go oh, playing devil's advocate here. Not devil's advocate. Fuck me. my metaphors are off today. Um, <laughs> I'll make sure I'll drink more coffee before I jump on next time. Uh, I think it's more or less, I know I just, you know, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but uh, number four is scouts and coaches will find you. Um, here's the thing. If you're a kid who's going to be end up playing tier three, uh, you haven't talked to anybody throughout the season, and you're in that that range. Again, this is where you have to have an honest self-assessment of yourself as a player. Um, doing one or two camps, is not a bad thing for you. I don't know. Camps, I mean by like showcases. Global's a fantastic one. Um, I know we've talked about a few others. CCM's another fantastic one. I think those are good. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, as we said before, you know, the pre-draft camps, unless there's other teams that are going to be attending those. You know, I know a couple years ago, this is probably before the pandemic, so, uh, you know, I call you know instead of BC, it's PP pre-pandemic. Um, <laughs> you know, but I remember out here the uh, 
the Dells Ducks, the Chicago uh, who was the Cougars, um, and uh, who was the other one? Uh, uh, Rapid City, Grand Rapid City, River, uh, the River Kings, um, all had you know they're they're all owned under the same kind of conglomerate, um, but they were all there. They had their own all their coaches there, um, and it was just one giant showcase in front of all three teams. Like I think those are good. Um, That's smart. Yeah. But but doing again like you know. A like going out for let's just say the junior Trevors, you know, of the you know the tier two uh, part of the North American Hockey League. Just going to their pre-draft camp, like you got to know where you're at, and if, if you're paying them, you know, three hundred dollars for that, you know, four skates, is it? Are you really getting a lot out of it, or five skates? Um, and you're only being seen by one team. So I think if you're going to spend the money and go to these. Go to the camps and the showcases, mainly showcases, where you're going to get the most amount of eyes on you as possible. Um, because, again, if you're not getting seen in the regular season, um, most likely you're not going to be the type of player who should be you know, pushing towards those Tier 2 camps. And, again, for the record, I have no problem with a player saying, hey, I want to go to this pre-draft camp. You know what? I think it's good exposure for yourself to see where you're at, and again, that helps with that honest self-player assessment. But don't be cha- as we said before. Don't be chasing them. Absolutely. I was actually going to like uh, do a mathematical equation. Um, don't hurt yourself. I know. I, I then it kind of backfired. I was like, uh, okay, so it's three hundred bucks. Uh, you play four games. Maybe you play twenty minutes a game. That's eighty minutes for the weekend. Oh, uh, that's you know you're gonna blow your mind how much you're wasting your money but it was like three dollars and 75 cents per shift which still seems pretty doesn't seem like a good investment but it was not as bad as i thought (laughs) but i mean who are you playing in front of though for sure again you're one of 600 kids right and you're playing in front of you know the the coaching staff the gm maybe one or two scouts from other clubs um and then everybody's parents like okay that's not going to do you any good where you can go to these showcases where you're going to be playing in front of you know 30 40 different clubs from all over and again there'll be your tier two ones there there'll be your tier ones there there'll be your tier threes there and again most of the kids that are going to those showcases are going to end up in that tier three or tier two canada level um you know the rest you know i mean that's basically it you're those are those two levels you're going to be within no offense, but I don't. I don't think too many kids are found for the tier two level, like NA, and there's no kids really ever found at the for the you know USHL out of these showcases. Well, it was amazing though. Like I was out, you know, in Denver last week and talking to Mike. Except Gem- for CCM, Mike said uh, we were talking about some players who were on the ice with Angelo Ricci, who's the skills coach for the Flyers, and he's also the skills coach at University of Denver because he's a Denver alum. So he was out there with a bunch of NHL guys and current Denver players, and they're just doing a skill session between the practices that we had. It was like a noontime skate. So we're having lunch and watching the skate. And there was a player for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I can probably pull up his name, but I, I know I can't pronounce it. It's like Michael Isemeyer or something like that, Isaming. Yeah, anyway, sure. and it was a young player. He's like a 22, 23-year-old, something like that. Uh, and Mike and I were just talking. He's like, he's from Littleton. Did he go to CCM? He's like, yeah, he went to CCM for a couple of years. He was a young Young on the younger bracket, but and that's where that's, you find yeah. a lot of the, the kids who go to CCM, those top the end futures. USHL kids, is in that futures bracket. 
Uh, and he was like, yeah, this kid did. He was at UD and this kid who played for this team. And it, it's pretty phenomenal that the track record of players that they had at CCM. There you go. If you actually look them up, you'll find a ton of guys who are like, you know, really high end players, but they're all in for the those who are. Because we still haven't gotten onto YouTube yet. I'm holding up the 2019 uh, CCM showcase list. So, yeah, the Futures teams, for sure. Like, that's – if you're in the Futures, but, again, those are, like, 14-year-old, 15-year-old kids. Like, those are the ones who are going to get, you know, really looked at. Actually, there's some names on here. I should go back and look and see whatever happened to them. Like, oh, you turned me down. Let's see where you ended up. Oh, you're Isamont. That was the kid's name. Okay. Isamont. Yeah, yeah good, good luck. Yeah, that's a mouthful. Yeah, good young player, though, from Littleton. But he was out there with the UD skates last week, and he went to CCM, and now he's playing for the Lightning. That's awesome. All right, Coach, what do you got to round finish us off here? All right, the fifth one. And we kind of hit on a little bit of it um, with some of the earlier things we talked about in terms of the investment of your, your parental dollars into your athlete. It's important, number five, don't forget to fit in your workouts. If it's a struggle to get your kid to do the workouts – then you need to reevaluate his long-term athletic future. Like if, he, if he's a kid who's not hungry to, to work out and be active, and then the idea that he's going to be a high-end co- college hockey player is probably not really within his reach, in all fairness. Um, but fitting in your workouts, you shouldn't fit in your workouts. You should build your day around your workouts as a young kid, I think. Like it should be, well, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to do this, then I can go to work, or I'm, if I have to work, like uh, my summer job, I can get in the gym by 5.30 at this time and be there till 7, whatever it may be. But it shouldn't be you fitting in your workouts. It should be your day is fit around your, your workout schedule as a young athlete. I think that's really, really important. And for me, like some of the, me and myself, some of the adults out there probably should do that anyways right around our adulthood too, fit our days around our workout. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't disagree. I mean, again, there's – there's a lot of good resources out there. I'm sure you can find them yourselves, even locally. I mean, again, you know, I'll, I'll throw them out there. Jeff Lavecchio does a fantastic job with his, you know, his training that he's got for uh, through him that he does online training, and it's um, it's through I forgot the app already. See, I'm just man, I'm I gotta come better. Uh, train heroic. It's you know for what it's worth, it's it basically allows you to train on your own, but it gives you all the workouts and all that. Um, and there's tons of guys that do stuff like that. Um, I'm just using someone I actually is reputable and I trust. But uh, you can also go again. I mean, you can look in Google anybody. So I, I mean, I think it is important. Yeah, if your if your kid's not really looking to work out and just kind of doing that stuff, I mean. Again, as you get older, as the players get older, they need to make sure that they're strong enough to play at these higher levels. That their, uh, you know, their strides are pow- powerful. They're explosive. You know, they're, you know, if they're going to get checked, they got a little bit of muscle there to, uh, you know, protect themselves. So, um, I don't disagree. It's uh, more or less just you got to make sure you do it. And if the kid's not interested in doing it, then uh, you know, it might not. Uh, Make sure you make sure they know what they're getting in themselves into for whatever team they're playing for the fall. So, and, and that's where the, going all those tryout camps can really throw off that schedule too. Like if you're a consistent, you know, Monday to Saturday with a Sunday off, and you think, but you throw in now going to four camps tryout camps over the course of the summer that goes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever it may be. Now you have to reevaluate your whole schedule, and it's just beating up your body prior to the start of the season, which I don't think is healthy either. Well, like, that's you know what's camps. funny you say that. Well, when you say that, it's funny is because this year the Chicago Blackhawks did not have any on-ice 
rookie skate or their you know prospect skates. They did not go on on ice whatsoever because all the players are pretty much in their you know middle of their summer off ice training. Um, and they have, a lot of them haven't even been on the ice in you know a month, month and a half. So they didn't even do it this year on ice, um, well, which I thought was. Which was interesting. I mean, they still did a lot of off-ice stuff. They did a lot of training, but they brought in a lot of, like, people to talk. Um, a lot of, you know, like, hey, this is how you be a professional, this and that. So I'm curious to see if that uh, picks up steam, if it's a one-year only. I mean, you know, it was either that or they've been, they're really trying to hide Connor Bedard uh, from the public. So, but uh, any any uh, anything else here, Coach, that you want to throw out there or put out there before we uh, sign off? No, I think that uh, you know this is a good good discuss- topic of discussion for hopefully parents to reevaluate what they want to do with their athletes as they and the, and the kids what they want to do as they head into um, future summers. Uh, and then I'm excited about some of the guests we have coming up. So uh, not to tease too much, but I'm excited about what the uh, the future is for the toolkit here. Absolutely, I uh, yeah I agree, and uh, I don't want to tease anything. So uh, I'm not a tease. So. Uh, outside of that, uh, yeah, I hope everybody definitely got something out of this. Again, if you um, you know any leave any comments, questions, comments, concerns, please reach out to Coach Trimble or myself. Uh, we got it in our show notes, our emails, and our Twitter. Um, and uh, love to discuss whatever uh, whatever you got out there. So uh, to kind of cap off the show here, I'm uh, Trevor DiCarlo. Andrew Trimble. And uh, we will see you guys next time.